Now I'm going to welcome up Ravi in just a second, but I want to say that Ravi has been here, you know, several times over the years, probably like in between like seven and eight times now, something like that over the past five years. And Ravi has always come at critical points in uh, what God is doing in this church. And it's the same thing this morning. We really believe that 2018 is going to be an important and exciting year for this church. And so what better way than to have Robbie Dawkins come and uh, share a good word with us. So you guys want to stand up with me and honor Robbie as he comes on up. Awesome. Bless you guys. Thanks so much. You can be seated. Cool. Wow, you're a good-looking crew. Striking good looks you all have here. Oh, it's always a treat to be here. It's just uh, being with the Cochran's is like being with family for us. So um, I told the first service, you know, I could have come out in shorts and a t-shirt and bare feet and just put my feet up on the coffee table. And Lori was like, no, you can't. <laughs> no, it's really good to be here. We really love these guys and um, looking forward to just all that has the Lord has. Is I share with the first service sort of at the end of the service, but I felt like as we were... Uh, just kind of making our way here that I just heard a, okay this is going to sound like a strange word um, to, to say here but I just I just heard the Lord just say for you for this church it is time to belly up to the bar and you're like are you sure we're in church today right there is something the Lord is preparing for you in just a new encounter, new experience, a new outpouring, new wine, and it's time to belly up to the bar. Be in expectancy for an outpouring. I can feel it. And it's something the Lord is releasing. It's something personal. It's, it's corporate, but it's also personal just for you. What I have to say to you this morning has nothing to do with belly up to the bar. But uh, you just hear that for yourself and just take that because it's a, it's a call into something, into something deeper. It's a call into something that the Lord wants to take us into a, a deeper depth, you know, and to, and to receive and to just be refreshed in this time. But anyway, so you take that and pray about that and ask the Lord how that works for you. Um, I, 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 since I was here last time, I, I shared with you uh, the first time, my first trip to Afghanistan. I went back again uh, at the first part of December. Um, I wanted to let them know that I'm serious about coming here. You know, I mean, in, in those parts of the world where nobody wants to go, you, it's, they're, they're kind of like, they, they get a little worried that you're coming for a one-time visit just to say you've been and so if you come back for a second trip, especially a second trip within 12 months, they're like, okay, you're serious. You know what I mean? Then they realize, okay, you're really committed to us. It just makes a statement to them. And so I went in December and literally, guys, the warfare started immediately. I mean, as soon we were off the plane for an hour and we were detained by the military within an hour. As we were headed, we didn't even make it to our hotel. I mean, we're literally heading to our hotel. We're detained by the military, uh, brought in, interrogated for three and a half hours. Um, it was like they, it's like they've been watching the airplane manifest. They saw us coming. It was like, I, I don't know how it happened, but it was like immediate, from the immediate uh, right, right off the get-go, it was like this this intensity of the moment. Uh, we were held. We were they were asking all these questions. They, and I had foolishly I made a rookie's mistake. Anybody who's traveled like in really dangerous countries, you know, not to do stuff like this. But I had thrown in a Farsi New Testament in my briefcase, and um, and I tossed it in there. I picked it up when I was in Sweden this this uh, last year. Uh, and because I wanted to uh, take it to some of the leaders there and say, look, I can get more of these for you if you need them, you know. And you, listen, you know what they call those little New Testaments? 
This, this, this shows you the value of the word of God. They call them angels. Isn't that interesting? Their name for a New Testament. They say these are our angels. These are our guardian angels and our provision angels. That's what they call those little New Testaments. And so I, I threw one in my bag. And of course some military guys, they unzip the bags. And they see immediately this New Testament and Farsi. And oh man, it just took off. It took the questioning to a whole nother level. And um, I, I posted one picture on social media of us behind these bars. And just so you know, an Afghan jail is not someplace you want to be. That's not an experience you ever want to have, you know. Uh, but it was, uh, but they held us. And then, and then finally, they, they finally went to release us. And the weirdest thing, it was one commander after another. You're getting something the first service didn't get. I'm telling you guys more details than the other guys. Uh, but um, they, they ended up taking us to our hotel because they kind of came to a conclusion that they didn't have sort of any more reason to detain us. So they took us to our hotel um, and we went the opposite direction in traffic with these military vehicles. We had like a Humvee behind us and in front of us and sirens going as they're taking us to the hotel to deposit us in the hotel. And uh, the guys at the hotel, it, it, they were like, and you, you have to realize the first time we went, we didn't stay in a hotel. We stayed in homes. But this time the Afghans were like, this is too dangerous. We're, we're putting ourselves at risk with you staying with us. And so we, we prefer to put you, you know, in a hotel. And so, um, so we get to this hotel and as, as they deposit us there, the guys at the hotel come and they're like, what have you done? They're like, we have never seen anything like this. And the, and the Afghan military has never responded uh, this way. And we were like, we're, we're still trying to figure out what they know. of what. And the guy holds up the Farsi New Testament and he goes, you don't speak Farsi. And I said, you're right. And he goes, why do you have this? Are you here to distribute them? And I looked at him and I said, I want to learn Farsi. I had never thought of that as a comeback in my entire life. It just kind of popped out of my mouth. So I'm like, and I do. I'm not lying. I do want to learn Farsi. It's a tough language, but I want to learn it. I, can know, I only know like three sentences in Farsi right now. Feed me, fill me up, bed. Anyway. but <laughs> So I'm sitting there. Uh, we're, we're, we're holding him, and, and I, I looked at him, and I said, "Well, I want to learn Farsi." And he's like, "He's like, okay." And and there were several. The, the next day, they they brought, they came, and they picked us up. They took us to the police station, and it was again hours of just questioning. And I was like, "Man, well, this is not a good start for a trip where we want to like you know blow up the streets and power evangelism. <laughs> this is not going well." And uh, but the craziest thing, the commander of the police station, he comes to me and he grabs my hand afterwards, and he was bringing our passports, but they held our passports. And, uh, and, and it was, and of course that's really bizarre because that means, you know, they don't want us to leave. They don't want us, they're not letting us leave the country. And so they came and they brought us our passports and before the Lord, I do not know how and what this means, but the commander of the police, uh, there came to me, handed the stack of passports back, grabbed my hand, shook it. And he said, I'm really sorry. We had no idea who you were. And I was like, yes. <laughs> to this day, I don't know what that means. Because all the people with me were terrified. They're like, if they Google you, we are all dead. You know, you are the worst guy to be with right now. Because if they pull you up, they're going to kill us all, you know. And so to this, to this day, I have no idea. And that's not a time where you go, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? <laughs> you just don't ask that question. You're just like, thank you. You know, but to show that the guys have gone on with it, this has been so incredible. I, sh I was sharing with the first service. They had a um, a group of them had gone out uh, 
several weeks ago. They have still been going for it, and it's just been so encouraging. I mean, it's somebody who you're wanting to see have, and the, and of course, the ladies are leading the charge. The women are the ones who are like, we've got to go do this, you know, and so they are just on fire. And so these two ladies, they got like three of the other Afghan men. They said, we got to go out. We got to go pray for the sick. We got to, you know, uh, cast out demons out on the streets. And so they go out, out, and they're praying for people, and people are getting healed and stuff, and the police catch them. And pull them in. And they're like, we're dead. You know, they're going to kill us. They're going to pull us out back, shoot us. And many, many, many Christians they've done that to. And I mean recently. And so they, they took all the cell phones from all the men. But the ladies, they left their cell phones. And so these ladies are texting me. And I mean, you, you're sitting there. You have to realize, when I get these texts, I'm going, this is a cracked, jacked phone that some that has got you know like a sim card from i don't know Saudi Arabia or something in it like try, trying to be undetected you have to realize for them to communicate this isn't easy and they're like we're in jail right now what do we do they've got us and they've caught us they saw us praying for people that we were right in the middle of leading somebody to Christ they've got us what do you recommend I'm, I mean, I'm holding these people's lives in my hands. My answer is this. And so I said, listen, they have all the evidence they need to kill you, right? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, so let's, let's, let's make a decision. Worst case scenario, they're about to kill you. Let's just state the obvious. Best case scenario, they'll let you go. But let's go with the worst case scenario. If they're about to kill you, go down in a blaze of glory. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, take as many with you as possible. <laughs> and they're like, again, what does that mean? I'm like, pray for people right now. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yes. And so they started praying for guards. They got a word of knowledge for one of the guards needs. His knee had been busted up, prayed for him. Knee instantly healed instantly healed that guy starts crying because he starts to feel electricity surging through his body he goes and gets one of the other guards whose back has been fused and has all this mess pray for him the guy hasn't been past this in years pray for him he reaches down touches his toes he starts weeping they pray with both of them lead him to christ and then they go and they get other people start bringing them to the cell this goes on all night long and if they detain you all night long, it means the next morning they're taking you out back and shooting you, you know? And so they, it goes on all night. The commander of the, the police station comes in the next morning. I just realized Will asked me to say something that I forgot to say. I'll say it here in a minute. Comes in the next morning and, and, and he comes in. And he walks in and he goes, you know, I'm, I'm the guy, basically, I'm the guy, I'm the hangman here. I'm supposed to come in and take you out back and shoot you. And he goes, but these guys, he goes, as soon as I walked in this, this jail, he goes, I've never felt this kind of peace in all my life. As soon, he goes, I come in here every day and it's not peaceful. And he goes, as soon as I walked in here and he goes, I asked these guys and they started telling me all these stories of all these things you guys are doing. And he goes, I know that's what this is. And so he said, will you pray for me? Because he says, I have these bad headaches. He was in the start of a bad headache, which would lead into migraines. They prayed for him. He was instantly healed of the migraines. And so he said to him, he goes, I'm going to release you, but I want you to come back in one week. He goes, I want to I talk to you all in, in, in a week. And this is not a thing. Like, they could try to flee. So they're like, as when they release them, they're thinking, should we escape into Iran? Um, I mean, you and I wouldn't think of escaping to Iran as a safe heaven. <laughs> but for them, I mean, Afghanistan is the most dangerous country in the world. Iran is much safer than Afghanistan. So they're thinking that's the place to run to. And they're like, no, we need to stay here. And they're texting me going, what you, I'm like, don't run. This is an opportunity. That guy, these guys have all felt the power of God. You've got, ride that wave. And so they stayed, they went back and the police chief said, no, I don't want the men to come. I just want those two women to come. 
So the two women came. Now, that's dangerous because they could be going, being set up to get raped and all sorts of horrible things happen. They go in there and he says, go get in my car. I want to take you to my house. Brings him to this house and he goes, my wife is in serious condition. She has serious. He goes, he goes, I was beating her a couple of weeks ago and she's been, her vision has been messed up. She has horrific headaches every since. And he goes, I want you to pray for her so that she'll get better. And of course they're thinking, so you can beat her back into that place again. You know, I mean, that's just what was going through their head. They prayed for her. She was completely and totally healed. And she looked at these two ladies and she goes, I got to tell you something. She goes, since you guys prayed for my husband a week ago, he at least every other night would come home and beat me, beat our children, break things around the house, tear the place up. She goes, he has come home every night. She goes, he, he, he has been absolutely at peace. He's not laid one finger on me. She goes, a matter of fact, she goes, we have had intimate relations like we've never had before he goes she said things have changed and she goes and for the first time i haven't felt like we're adults here i haven't felt like having sex with my husband wasn't him just raping me every night she goes something has happened in my husband and so they led her to christ and so the commander is sitting there praying guys it was it's just and you know what's the best of that story is i had nothing to do with it I'm just behind the scenes going, go get them. <laughs> Sitting in my recliner at home going, I feel kind of bad doing this, you know. And they have been going for it. It is, it is just amazing. So keep praying for Afghanistan. Keep praying for what's, what's happening there. Really quick, my, my new book, Do Greater Things, is out there. It's my third book. We've only got, I don't know how many we have left. We only have, I only brought 45 copies with me because... All the rest of them, the call is holding hostage. Which, by the way, if you don't have anything to do tomorrow, come to, uh, what's the name of the church again? New Life Vineyard Vineyard in Hamilton. In Hamilton. Um, Lou Engel, myself. uh, uh, What's Lindy's last name? I can't. Conan. Conan? Yeah, Lindy Conan and the, the circuit riders are leading worship. Man, those guys are incredible. Anyway, it's going to be a great time of prayer. And um, I was just sharing, you know, I should have probably asked for that time again, and I didn't. I was just sharing uh, with with, uh, one of the guys, come especially for, they're going to have these two guys. This is so powerful, especially because it's, you know, us celebrating uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And, of course, growing up in Atlanta, that's special for me, but it's especially special. But uh, I was, uh, they, they, these two guys who both are ministers, they were good friends. It comes to find out, they find out 150 years ago, the one friend's family used to own the other friend's family in slavery. Guys, I, I, I'm so tempted to go into their story, but I don't want to. But now these two guys are, are ministers together. And you, if, if you can, come and just hear this powerful, powerful redemptive story. I mean, we were bawling our eyes out. It is just, oh, I mean, it's just hearing this story is just, I think, immense healing for our land. And we need healing in our land. Uh, in this, but it was, it's just so powerful. And especially this weekend, you know, as we honor a man who had, uh, sacrificed his life for, uh, for freedom and for truly stepping out into, uh, what we know of kingdom breakthrough and, and, and captive being set free and people having liberty. Turn with me in your Bibles, second Corinthians, uh, 15, 16. I want to talk to you uh, about something here, and I'm probably almost out of time. Actually, I think I've got what two minutes. Okay, I can. I think I can be done before that. But Second uh, Corinthians five. This is such a powerful passage to me. Now, I, I, this is not a structure, structured talk for me. This is just me talking to the heart to you. Can I do that? Will you allow me to do that? All right. You know, Paul is in a is in an interesting place. He's writing to the Corinthians and. At some point, just sort of study the different people that, that he's writing to. When you do, it really gives incredible insight into the Pauline epistles, to these letters he's writing. Because uh, it, it get, puts context and it helps you understand why he's saying some of the things that he's saying. 
And, and the Corinthians are, uh, it's an interesting group, but I won't go into that. But here Paul, it's his second letter to them. He's addressing them and he says some very powerful things. And I believe this is an, an incredible message to us. Of course, we know the whole Bible is for all of us and not just for places like Corinth and Ephesus and things like that. But it says in verse 16, yes. Oh, yes. Now we know the Holy Spirit is moving. Thank God this has a light on it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to see that. Uh, it says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Now, let me tell you something. That is my goal in my life. It's to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. You know, because if you see other people, and I didn't share this with the first service, but if you see other people just through your perspective, your prejudices, your, you know, through your own self, it, it, it just even in honor of this weekend, just let me share this story with this, because this helps give perspective, I think, to this. When I was, when I was six years old, five or six years old, my dad, we moved into an area that was a dividing line in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Now, this was in 1971. And uh, literally one side of the street was an all, you know, black African-American neighborhood. Literally on the other side of the street was all white. And never the twain shall meet, you know, in 1971. This is in the deep south then. Atlanta probably wouldn't be considered deep south now, but then it was. And my dad was having grown up in Valdosta, Georgia, which really was the deep south, had always, having had been a missionary in Japan, he was really desiring to see, you know, some breakthrough, you know, in racial tensions and things like that. Uh, he, had, he had just witnessed so much in his life, and he just knew it was an evil that he wanted to see obliterated. And so anyway, we had put, the, the church that we were, we were starting was right on this dividing line. And the church that had been there had moved because of the tensions that were there. And so, uh, classic Dawkins style, let's go right where it's the hottest, you know, let's go in the most difficult, most complicated, you know, place and try to bring these two groups together. In 1971, there was hardly any of that. You just didn't see that happening. Uh, and so it was always, there's the black church, there's the white church and green people have their church somewhere. You know I mean? We just had that, that type of thinking. And uh, my dad did, did this, and we began to, uh, of course, because we were white, the majority of people that we were attracting were white people, but we started doing outreach into this projects area that was less than a mile from the church. Now, as we did that, it brought this tension to where that we, were, we had literally Malenkov cocktails thrown into the church from both sides of the street because both were suspicious of our intentions. And, and, and confused about our intentions. And so I remember one day my dad was taking a group of young people. And we were going to this, this particular uh, area. Uh, this was all projects area. It was all black area, all projects area. And as we, as we pulled into there, and here's, here's a, you know, like a van load of white kids hopping out, which, you know, that didn't happen there. And we all have these leaflets inviting these young people to come to our youth group. And saying, you're welcome. Come. We want you to come. There's free food. There's, we're going to have games. Please come, you know. And it was, of course, pure-hearted, pure-intended. And I begged my dad, let me go with you. Now, my dad should have been wiser. He should have had a little bit more adult supervision there. It was a bunch of teenagers. And then here's a five, six-year-old kid getting out of there. And, man, we rounded the corner, and there was a group of guys waiting with, like, pipes, chains, rocks, and they jumped us. You know, there's probably about 20 of them. There's only five or six of us. And we got beat. And I mean, I got knocked out. I, got, I still have a lump back here from that time when I was five even. And it got knocked out and drug in and thrown in this ditch. And, uh, and you know, blood was coming out of the back of my head. And, and several of the others, uh, those other boys were with me. They were kind and generous. They ran off and left me. You know, here this five-year-old little kid laying in a ditch. And uh, my dad came around, and he, he found me, and he picked me up. And I got up, and, you know, I was crying and, and, and took me home. And after that, man, I was terrified of anybody of color. I mean, scared to death. 
And my dad said, I need you to do something. He said, I want you to sit down. And he was so wise and so smart, uh, my parents were. And they sat me down with these sweet little old ladies in our church, these little sweet black ladies in our church. And he said, son, I want you to sit here. And I, I was afraid of these people now. And he said, I want you to hear their stories. And they were telling me stories about these big, you know, fire hydrant hoses being turned on them and dogs being loosed on them and the pain, the suffering, all of the terrible things they went through. And all of a sudden, my perspective just in that moment shifted. And rather being afraid, I felt a sense of compassion. And for the first time, I had an identifying point where I was like, wow, I've suffered too. And I can identify with you. And that brought an incredible healing. Like in the book, The Shack, whatever you feel about that. I could totally understand the guy's statement about, you know, older black women being like Papa. I, could, I get that because of where I grew up. And there was this immense healing. And what happened? I've stopped evaluating people from a human point of view. Why? Because of encounter. Because of experience. And what begins to happen is that all of a sudden, from a spiritual element, we all of a sudden shift out of what is a natural point of view, or judging or drawing conclusions based on what has been in the natural, to now, what is that person's potential? Not where they're at, but where they can be. And how are they going to get there? They're going to get there by me affirming who they can be. They're going to get there by me calling out who they can be. They're going to get there by me identifying who they can be. You see, you've got life and death is truly in the power of the tongue. You can either release hope, you can release life, you can release all of these incredible blessings of people. And I, I mean, I'm, can I just tell you right now, I'm in the growth curve on this. You know, I still get irritated at the guy at DFW Airport who tells me that I'm overweight on my bags when I know the weight better than he does on the bags because I fly so stinking much. And I'm like, dude, I told you two weeks ago, it's 70, I get 70 pounds because I am at the highest status. And don't forget that, you know. And then, and then I'm walking away going, that guy's probably got a sore neck that I just walked away from and didn't pray for and didn't tell him how much Jesus loves him. And I'm like, see, I told you. And I'm like, oh, so this is my prayer. <laughs> Lord, help me to stop evaluating people from a natural perspective. But to evaluate them from what's your perspective. Father, let me see them the way that you see them. Sometimes it's hard to do with your own kids. Ooh. Somebody's like, he just stopped preaching and went to meddling right now. <laughs> Get back to preaching. You're meddling. <laughs> At one time, we thought Christ merely from a human point of view. Man, when we saw Jesus from a human point of view, we saw him as, I can't attain that. I can't be that. I'll never be good enough for them. He's a hard taskmaster, master trying to hold me to a standard that I can't achieve. But that's shifted. That's changed. How differently we know him now. Why? Because we know him as the identity that he has given us. His identity. Who he is. In that place of being welcome. In that place of being invited in. In that place of freedom. He's invited us to this. Having that perspective shift of when I'm looking at somebody. Maybe the person that's irritating you, standing in front of you. The person that's slow to get you your you know, Dunkin' Donut coffee. Maybe that, maybe that person is actually God throwing a flag on the field and saying, Hey, there's something that, that needs to be paid attention here. There's something that they're hurting and they, you don't know it. Pay, pay attention to what's, what's happening. You're seeing it from the natural. Please know, I'm preaching to myself and letting you listen. I'm serious. You know, I, I'm, I'm battling through this myself where I'm stopping and going, okay, how do I see this from this perspective? How differently we know now. I'm still knowing differently now. I'm growing in, in that. 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Now, we could see that as an us and them statement and go, thankfully, we have and those people have not. And when are they going to wake up and smell the coffee? I love this passage. And this is a passage. This 2 Corinthians 5 is, a, is every evangelist like passionate passage. We love this. We eat. We feed off this on a regular basis. Because, you know, if they belong to God, they're a new, new person. And so what does that mean? That's not just a statement of who you are. It's a call to who we see them and their potential as being. How are we going to see them with that different potential? How are we going to see them with that different perspective of what they can be rather than who they are? And rather than what's happening in their lives? Is this helpful? Does this make sense? And so he says, uh, we become a new person. The old life is gone. The old life is just gone. A new life has begun. The old way of of doing things is over. So what does that mean? That even means with the word like the Lord saying, belly up to the bar. It means there's something new that the Lord is pouring out for you. And how you would respond to that before, see as old. And approach that in a new way. View from a new perspective, a fresh new thing. One of the one of the sad facts of of, of in, in early days of the vineyard is is you know the, the Pentecostals would come around and see all this stuff of the Spirit happening, and they were like, "Well, we we've, we've we've had that for the past fifty years. You guys aren't new to this." And the sad part about it is that in some vineyard circles, they're looking at current waves and stirs and going, oh, we've already cornered the market on that. We've had that for years. You're not getting anything new. We've been there. You're in our wake. Well, that's living from an old perspective. That's not living from a new perspective. That's not living in that place that Christ is calling us to in this passage. Think in a new way. Think from a new place. When the Lord gives you a word, think of it. Say, Lord, let me have eyes and fresh ears to see it in a new and living way than how I've been seeing it. I love this. For that old new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. What's the task God has given us? To receive it? To just accept it? To just, you know, have it and that's it? No. Once you've received, what did Jesus say to the disciples? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out, you know, demons. Freely, you have received. How do you respond? Freely give. As a receiver of something that's of the kingdom, it is our responsibility to give that. You have been brought in. You have been made new. Now make others new through that information. Now bring that hope, that life to others. You know, so many people uh, get healed of something. They're like, oh, that's great. And man, if I ever get hurt or injured that part of my body, I know where to come to. No, if you want to not have that happen again, start praying for other people. We just get in a cycle of what we're looking for to receive and we miss the place of we get to give, to get to give, to get to give. You've been filled up to be poured out. You've been filled up to be poured out. What a great news for God was in Christ. We have that task of reconciling people back to himself. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. You see, the world's perspective of Christ and the church is that we're going to be pointing out sins. Oh, I see what you did. Oh, I know where you've been. Oh, I see that place you've been at. I see that issue in your life. I see that. You know, it's sort of like, you know, when prophetic people come around, we sort of, you know, duck. Ooh, Micah's in the hallway. (laughs) What's he going to see, man? (laughs) because we're expecting we're seeing God and we're seeing ourselves from that old perspective and the Lord's saying see from a new perspective 
See from a new perspective. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to, world to himself, no longer counting their sins against them. Now that's not a free, that's not a, oh, he doesn't count the sins? <laughs> Let's go do more. That's the wrong way to think. You've been released, you've been set free, celebrate that by not going back to it. The slate's clean, don't go back. Jesus looks at the woman caught in adultery. He says, woman, where are your accusers? In other words, I'm not one of them. So go and sin no more. So go and sin no more. The slate's been cleared. Go and sin freedom. Continue in that freedom. And he gives us this wonderful message of reconciliation. For we... This is so powerful. I pray that you hear this. You get this. I pray that you hear this from the heart. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. I mean, the only way that the world is going to know Jesus is you. The only way the world is going to know Jesus is you. You are Christ's ambassadors. You are speaking on behalf of God. You you step out as the extension of the kingdom of God. And with an ambassador, I love this, because with an ambassador, if you've ever been, I travel, I've been ministered in 52 different countries around the world, man. And I've ministered in some of the most dangerous countries in the world. And man, when you go into, first thing, when I land, I'm like, please show me where the U.S. Embassy is. For some reason, they want to take me to McDonald's. And I'm like, no, I know you think that's the U.S. Embassy. It is not. (laughs) There are countries where there is no U.S. Embassy, but there is a McDonald's. (laughs) And they'll they'll take me, they show me the embassy. Now, let me tell you something. Why? Because if if I'm in trouble, if I'm in a difficult place, the place I can run to is that. That's what I'm supposed to do, right? Man, being in Afghanistan, that doesn't really help much. First of all, everybody wants to kill you. You know, I mean, like, if they find out you're a believer, everybody wants you dead. You know, it's just, it's the way it is. It's not like you can go find a policeman and he'll spare you. He's probably the guy that'll shoot you. You know, go to the military, you know, ISIS, Taliban, Al-Qaeda. Everybody's after you. Everybody. There's no place to run. And if you find that U.S. Embassy, I hope you have good luck in getting in. Why? It's surrounded by T-walls and armed guards with bazookas and missiles and everything else. And they're looking for people that are trying to get in that they don't want in. And so just getting in, I mean, if you're running, you're in trouble. It's going to be hard to do. And yet that's not how, you know, that's not the the ambassadors that this is uh, speaking of. When an ambassador is in, so let's take, use it as an example for, if if, if you have the Russian Federation Embassy in Washington, D.C., Russia's embassy, and, and and the ambassador that is there, it is an embassy, why? Because there's an ambassador, there's a representative. He is the representative of the ruling government of the Russian Federation. When you step on the soil of that embassy, within the boundaries of that embassy, whose soil are you on? Russia. It is like you have just, you know, gone through some sort of time travel or, or, or you know, uh, what was the Star Trek thing? Or wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden you're there in Russia. You step on there, you're on Russian soil. Russian laws apply there, U.S. laws do not. And if the Russian ambassador is stopped for breaking the law, what does he do? All he has to do is flash his credentials and say, I am an ambassador of the Russian Federation. I declare diplomatic immunity. Your laws do not apply to me. You have to release me. And then he's released. Why? Because he is under the rule of another kingdom. You are ambassadors of Christ. The laws of this world do not apply to you. Now, we obey the laws of the land. Don't get me wrong. Don't go out of here and go, well, you know, I just was at a church and I, our speaker said. <laughs> driving 95 down the highway. I declare diplomatic. <laughs> Let's see how that works for you. 
But all he has to do is flash his credentials, make it known who he is. And what do they have to do? They can't detain him. They have to release him. Why? Because he's under the rule of another kingdom. He's under the rule of another nation. He says, we speak, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to the world through you. You are how God makes his appeal to the world. To come back, be reconciled. And the cry is, come back to God. Come back to the one that you have come from. Come back to the one who loves you and is pursuing you. So if that is the case, let's think about some things. If, if, if we are ambassadors, where's our embassy? It's a trick question. Don't answer too fast. They did in the first service and I kind of had to say, you're wrong. We immediately think church, <laughs> you know, or some, you know, something like that. Psalms 24, one. This is our embassy. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Where's our embassy? Wherever you put your foot. Wherever you put your foot. Here's the difference. We got to declare it. Why? That ambassador can be detained. He can be thrown into jail. And if he hasn't declared who he is and what kingdom he represents. Now, we want the freedom of having those kingdom rights, but we just don't want to make the declaration of them. We just don't want to go public with that. We don't want to make that clear. But do you want to see that breakthrough come? Do you want to see that breakthrough come? Do you want to see that? I got to move quick. So what are our credentials? Here's the credentials. Because you got to flash your credentials, right? I love this. Revelation 12, 7 through 12. It says... And there was a war in heaven. How many of you thought it was just going to be like, you know, wings and clouds and harps and all the food you can eat without getting fat? (laughs) There was a war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. Guys, every time we go to war against the enemy, always see yourself as the victor. Why? Because the battle's already been won. The enemy's already been defeated. We approach every battle from the standpoint of the enemy having been defeated. Man, when they were holding us and they were... I would love to tell you I was scared. Only because I want you to feel like... I don't want you to think something special of me. But we're sitting there. We're being asked, grilled, all these, what are your intentions here? What are you doing? And they ask you. And you know what they do? They ask the same questions over and over again in a different way to throw you off. And we're just sitting there answering the same thing over and over for a million times. One, two, three, four, five. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. You know, and, and we're sitting there going over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm sitting there the whole time. And I'm just completely at peace. Completely at peace. Why? Because if they drag us out the back and they pop us all in the head, I got, I got it for doing the very thing I have lived for. The very thing I was born for. There's no loss. That's an upgrade. There's no tears. That's an upgrade. You know what I mean? Paul says, Paul calls it the prize. How sick is that? <laughs> How twisted is Paul for saying that? <laughs> I imagine I, I had imagined many times for, for years what that would be like, almost being at that point of being shot or being killed or being tortured. How would I respond to that? And I was like, this piece is amazing. And immediately you sort of stop and realize, huh, that's not within my ability. This is supernatural. This is just Jesus, the peace that goes beyond human understanding, because I certainly don't have that peace. I'm writing his peace. I'm writing the wave of his peace. I'm in that place of experiencing his peace. But the enemy had already been defeated. Guys, let me tell you something. The earth and the Lord and the fullness thereof, we went into this little shop. I want to 
Can I have a couple more minutes? We go into this shop. And, and we, I was trying to find some toys for my younger kids. You know, I want to take them back some toys. The problem is in Afghanistan, you know what toys are? Sticks and rocks. They don't have anything. And we go in this toy store and it's just a bunch of paper things that are cheap because nobody can afford, you know, any molded plastic things called toys. And we're sitting there looking around at what they do have and, and they're off in the corner. <laughs> I look up on the shelf and I was, I was like, am I seeing things? And tucked away on the back of the shelf, I see these two sticks tied together with twine. It's in the shape of a cross. You have to realize this is a nation. You don't see crosses anywhere. There's no steeples anywhere. There's no, this is right before Christmas. There's no Christmas music. Nobody says Merry Christmas except the believers when they greet you at the door with tears. Let this change saying Merry Christmas in your heart forever. They greet you at the door with tears in their eyes, whispering it. Merry Christmas. Jesus came. He was born. He set us free. Our nation will bow their knee to him. Oh, Merry Christmas. It's coming. And I'm sitting there going, oh, don't play it safe. Don't be politically correct ever again about it. Never again. And I look, I see this cross and I look at the store owner and he spoke English. I said, is that? And he goes, it's a cross. I said, yes. And he grabs my hand and tears well up in his eyes. And he goes, oh, we love Jesus here. We love Jesus here. We just don't know anything about Jesus here. And I was like, oh, I know a lot of stuff about Jesus. (laughs) And we're sitting there talking about, and I was just blown away. And I was like, oh, these things that we've just taken so for granted. We're Christ's ambassadors. What a privilege. What an honor. Only if we walk it out. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all of his angels. It has come at last. I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. Salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been cast down and has been thrown to the earth. The one who accuses them before God day and night. What are the credentials? Here they are. And they defeated him. By the blood of the lamb. This is the part of your credentials. That you can do nothing to get. But receive it. Because Christ did it all. He did it all. Oh it's a gift so freely given. They have. We have been brought in. By this beautiful gift. They've been defeated. He has been defeated by the blood of the lamb. That's number one. There are three. And the next part of your credentials is by the word of their testimony. That's our part. That's our part. The word of your testimony defeats, it destroys, it breaks down the kingdom of darkness. The word of your testimony annihilates, it plants the flag in the ground and says, this ground belongs to God. This is an embassy of the Holy Spirit. My home, my family, whether they believe or not, because I am here. I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And I declare diplomatic immunity over every work of the enemy. This ground belongs to God. of your testimony defeats, dethrones and casts out the enemy 
putting Jesus on display in your community, as my friend Brian Blount says, it is what dethrones the enemy in our territory. Declare your embassy. Declare your right as an ambassador. Not for personal gain, but for the advancement and the expansion of the kingdom of whom you represent. And the last part of your credentials. And they were willing to die for it. They didn't love their lives even unto death. Those men and women being hauled into that jail. Oh, the enemy thought, I got them good. (laughs) Can't you imagine hell going, yeah, we broke them now. And then they go in there and going, who can we pray for here? (laughs) Where was the embassy? Right in that jail being held by a bunch of renegade law-breaking Christians spreading the gospel and they made a jail cell the embassy of the Holy Spirit and the ruler and reigner as Christ oh my friends you see it just bites the enemy right in the butt every time he tries it just comes back you know right in the sorry if butt bothers you backside So where is he attacking us? How do we turn that on his head now? All of those problems, all those difficulties are only, Lord, let me see this from your perspective. And that person from your perspective. And bring a kingdom flag planting, declaring his rule, his reign. He's appealing to everyone around you through you. That's what makes you an ambassador. Are you revealing your credentials? Are you flashing your credentials? Otherwise, the laws of the land that you are under apply to you. And not the kingdom that you are truly from. Make this a year of flashing the credentials. Letting that testimony be released and not being afraid to die for it. Father, I thank you for this amazing church and these amazing believers here. Holy Spirit, we just declare. This year, as a year of making this whole Cincinnati area the embassy of Almighty God, the expanded territory, and everywhere we walk in our schools, in our in our work, in the grocery store, where we say this ground belongs to God, and the way we do that is by making you known. In this community. We thank you for that father. In Jesus name. Amen. Bless you guys.